Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Good day, good day, mate. I hope you're all doing fantastically. Today's episodes are about war, and I want to mention a trigger warning early on because it's pretty full on. And these particular episodes from Art Obler back in their heyday really hits on a nerve in some people. And even for me listening to it, particularly the one about the person that loses their limbs, is pretty intense. So I want to warn you ahead of time, this is not for little ears. And next week, I'll be kicking back up with the Evil Bread series as always. You know how I like to alternate your legends. But I thought I'd mention just a general PSA of sorts. Because if you had a good day, this episode might get under your skin a little bit. Either way, as always, fully remastered for your lovely ears. I hope you enjoy this roller coaster ride of an OTR. Let's begin. Tonight, James Cagney in Art Jubler's dramatization of the most talked-of book of the year, Johnny Got His Gun, by Dalton Trumbull. We tell you of Joe Bonham. Twenty-two years ago, he went to war. They carried him back from that war. They carried him back because he had no arms. No legs, no ears with which to hear, no eyes with which to see, no mouth with which to speak. Today, he lies alone in a room in a hospital close to your city. He's living flesh and he waits. Your world is shut off from Joe Bonham. He has only the world within his own mind. We tell you of Joe Bonham. These are the thoughts of a boy who, 22 years ago, went to war. Somebody listen to me. I'm talking to you. Somebody listen to me. Gotta talk to somebody. It's dark and lonely. Somebody... No. Going out of my head again. How can you hear what ain't got a tongue? Ain't got a mouth? Ain't got... No. Won't think of that anymore. Gotta think of something here. Something else. If I don't think, my head, yeah, quick, think about when I was a kid. Hey, Joe, come on in swimming. Yeah, swimming. When I was a kid, I went swimming. Dive in the river, feel the water against my legs and my arms. Now I haven't got any let. No. No, won't think of that. Think about my town. It's the nicest little old place on earth, Shale City. I gotta remember. Hamburger, get your hot hamburger, get your hot hamburger. Yeah, best hamburgers in the world. All right, boy, here's 30 cents. Go down and get three hamburgers. Ah. Oh, they're delicious. If I could only cook like this. Oh, I should... No. No, don't think of her. Think about... Howdy fair. See the lady cut in half the fourth part of a dollar. Oh, oh second rider. Defying death inside us, straight up and down, searching along. I... I, I, I can't remember anymore. I gotta remember. I gotta. If I don't remember things, I'll think. And if I think, no. I gotta remember something. Something. Girls. Think about girls. Quick, think about girls. Joe. Karine. Joe, I'm scared. 
I'm so scared. No. Kiss me. Hold me. We we shouldn't have turned the lights out. Your old man will be sore. He understands. Your lips. Mm. Don't go. They'll kill you. I gotta go. When you're drafted, you gotta. Oh, Joe. Joe, I don't want you to go. Hold me. Tight. Maybe we'll never get another chance. Now, Joe. In your arms, Joe. In your arms. In your arms. My arms. My arms. What? What? Don't hold me. It out yesterday or the day before. It was 1939, 1938, 1937. A long time ago. Joe. Karine, still in my head. I'll tell you, as if you were here. Here's how I found out everything about myself. I woke up like out of a dream. It was like I was, I was in the water. I tried to swim, but I didn't have any arms. I started to kick my legs to float up in the air out of the bed. But I couldn't kick. I didn't have any lips. I threw my head back. I started to yell. I only started. But how can you yell when you haven't got him? I began to reach out, Karine. The only way I could reach out. With the nerves of my skin. The hole in my face. Feel the skin creeping around the edge of it. It went. It went. I was blind. <laughs> What a lousy dream. Nobody could live like that. Just dream and that's all. It wasn't a dream. It wasn't a dream. Mother. Mother, where are you? Hurry, Mother. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Wake me up. I'm having a nightmare, Mother. Where are you? Mother, listen to me. I can't stand it. Mother, please, please. Tell me it's not me. Not me. Not me. No, no, not me. Oh, please. That's the way I found out a long time ago. Who was I telling that to? Joe. Oh, Kareem. Still in my head. In my heart. Now, now I'll tell you about how I found out about time. About the days. Knowing about the days you're living through, that's important, see? But all I remembered was... Died in the dugout and then... And that was all. A day in September 1918, and that's all. Time stopped then. Start time over again. But how could I catch hold of time when I was caught inside myself? Vibrations. I had it. When the nurse came into the room, 
The vibration of her footsteps running up through the floor, through the bed, through the springs of the bed, into me. All I had to do was count the seconds, then the minutes, then the hours between each visit she made, until I had 24 hours counted up in my head. And after that, I'd be able to figure the days out just by counting up her visits. One day, the minute the nurse left me, I began to count. One, two, three. Second by second. Four, second five, by second. Six, when seven, I counted 60, eight, that nine, meant a minute ten, as nearly as, as I was able to figure it. 15, but I always lost count. I'd think of something else. Then I'd lose count again. One, two, three, one, two. Day after five, day after day, four, but I could never keep track. Nine, I couldn't. Four, I couldn't. Five, and all the time, all the time, the days were running away from me. And then, one day it happened. The skin on the side of my neck, the half of a forward above the mask. Lying there all the years gone by, I got to thinking that maybe there was some way I could use those pieces of skin. Skin free to the air. They were healthy. I got to thinking what a man did with his skin. To feel with. But that didn't seem enough. To sweat with. Yeah, sweat with. Hot and cold, sunrise and sunset, just like that. The idea came into my head just like that. All I had to do was to feel with my skin. When it changed from cool to warm on that little piece of skin, it will be sunrise and the beginning of a day. I got to thinking about the nurse and how many visits she made me each day and when she made them. Yeah, I'd better start with the nurse. She changes the bedding. In a hospital, they, they must change bedding in the morning, maybe around uh, 8 o'clock. So all I gotta do is wait till she changes the bedclothes. That'll mean it's morning. Then wait, maybe 18, 20 hours, and that'll be next morning. That'll be sunrise. You can feel the heat of sunrise against your skin. Yeah. So I waited until the next time she changed the bedding. She walked away. Calm down. Calm down because you haven't proved anything yet. Calm down and wait and count her visits. Number two, I dozed off and woke. Visit number three, time got all mixed up. Then four, and then... The fifth time. Now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I knew it was happening. My heart stopped, my breath stopped. I knew it was happening. Slow at first, crawling along my skin. Warmer and warmer, rising sun. In my room... In my room, I'd won. I'd won. I'd caught up with time again. The sun, it was dawn. It was dawn for the world and for me. I, I could smell the dawn. Yeah, me without a face lying there. And the smell of the dew on the grass. And me without eyes shading my eyes and seeing the sun coming up over the mountains back home. And the hills going pink and lavender like the inside of a seashell. The sun warming my little piece of skin. And me seeing without eyes the town where I was born. And me without ears hearing the lowing of the cows waiting to be milked. And babies kicking in their cribs and rubbing their eyes with their fists. It's sunrise. And I've got it. And now I'll always know when it's sunrise. And they can't take it away from me. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I may never have anything else, but I'll always have dawn and the morning sunlight. 
year went by fast. I was a busy guy. I learned a lot. Yeah, could even tell my nurses apart. The day nurse always walked to the bed with four steps. She was always the same, but the night nurses seemed to change. One of them... <sighs> must have cried when she looked at me. I felt her tears wet on me. I like to think she was young and beautiful. But every night, summer and winter, week in and week out, month in and month out, every night I was with you, Karine. With you, darling. My arms around you, yours around me. With you, Karine. Joe, my darling. Close to you. My dearest. My arms around you. My lover. Yours around me. Mine. With you, Karine. Oh, Joe. Joe. Two years went by after I discovered time. Three years went by after I discovered time. The fourth year started awfully slow. One day I felt vibrations. Vibrations heavier and heavier and then they stopped. I, I knew they were standing around the bed. After all these years, visitors... And all at once, crazy thoughts went through my head. Maybe your mother. No. Karine. No, no, not Karine. Not Karine standing by my bed. You can't see me. Not this way. Not you, Karine. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Go away. Then a hand came to rest on my forehead. A man's hand. Doctors. Yes. Maybe doctors come to examine me. Hmm. Somebody was touching at my nightshade over my left breast. The cloth fell back against my chest again. It was heavy now, weighed down by something. Medal. They've given me a medal. Me. A medal. Me. A medal. Me. The generals were here. Around my bed. The generals. The big guys. The famous guys who still had arms and legs and could still see and talk and smell and taste. In my throat, I felt a tearing of something that used to be a voice. I was talking to them, and they couldn't hear me. I was saying, listen, big guys, I'm lying here like a side of beef, and for what? War. We're going to war. Yeah, someone said that, so I went. But why? Why? Somebody just said, let's go out and fight for liberty. Liberty? What kind of liberty? How much liberty and whose idea of liberty? A guy says, come on, let's fight for liberty. And he can show you liberty. If you're going to die for liberty, you've got to know in advance what liberty is and whose idea of liberty they're talking about and just how much of that liberty we're going to have. Maybe that's a bad way to think. The big guys say it's bad, and I heard them. In the schools, and the newspapers, and the legislature, and the congresses, that's their business. They sound wonderful. This ground is sanctified by blood. They shall not have died in vain. Our noble dead. But I'm asking you, big guys, what do the dead say? Did any one of them ever come back and say... I'm glad I'm dead because death is always better than dishonor. Did they say... I'm glad I died to make the world safer democracy. Nobody but the dead know whether all these things people talk about are worth dying for or not. And the dead can't talk. So the words about noble death and sacred blood and honor and such are all put into dead lips by those that got no right to speak for the dead. I'm asking you, big guys, how did they feel about it just before they died? 
Did all those guys die thinking of democracy and freedom and liberty and honor? You know they didn't. They died crying in their minds like little kids. They died crying for the face of a friend. They died crying for the voice of a mother or father or wife or baby. They died moaning and crying for life. I know. I'm the nearest thing to a dead man on earth. There's nothing bigger than life. What's noble about having your legs and arms blown off? What's noble about being blind and deaf and dumb? I'm dead, big guys, and I died for nothing. You hear me? Nothing, nothing. You hear me, big guys? But they didn't hear me. Just as you couldn't hear me, Kareem, if you were standing next to me. All the generals heard was the blowing of the air and the tube in my throat. When I heard the vibrations of the footsteps that said they were going, I began to think. The vibrations. Up to now, I thought only of the vibrations coming to me. How about making my vibrations go to them? Yes, vibrations to them. A footstep on the floor is a kind of vibration. The tap of a telegraph key is another kind. I had it. I had it. When I was a kid, Bill Harper and me, we, we had a telegraph set. We used to telegraph to each other. Dot, dash, dot, dash, dot, dash, dot. I remember the code, the Morse code. All I had to do to break through the peak to the people outside was to lie in bed and dot, dash to the nurse. I could give messages and receive messages. I raised my head from my pillow. I dropped it. Then I did it twice quickly. That was it. With my head, raised my head, let it fall on the pillar. The Morse code. S-O-S, help. I tapped it out of my pillow with my head. S-O-S, all over the world. That meant help. S-O-S, help, help. Then the door of the room jarred open and, and the nurse's footsteps came up to the bed. S-O-S, S-O-S, over and over again. She was looking at me. I knew it, I knew it. S-O-S, help me. S-O-S, help me. S-O-S, oh, why can't you understand? S-O-S, help me. S-O-S, help me. S-O-S, S-O-S, help me. S-O-S. Help me. My head full of it. Tapping it out with my head over and over. Over and over. Couldn't stop. Why won't they hear me? Why won't they understand? Why won't they hear me? Karine, why? No. There isn't any Karine. There isn't nothing. I've been talking in my head. There's nothing for me. Nothing. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month it is. I don't know what year it is. I've been tapping for years and years and nobody hears me. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Someone's come into the room. Footstep right. My regular day nurse. Hers are heavy. Who's this one? Start tapping now. What does this one do? Opening the night shirt. She's moving the tip of her finger against my skin. Huh? Drawing something. Huh? I know. The letter M. I know. Shake, shake my head. Yes, yes, I know, I know. I understand. It's M, M, wonderful M. Writing something else on my skin. E. Yes, yes, I got that. R, yes. Another R, yes. Now what? Why? 
Nothing more. M-E-R-R-Y. Mary. Writing again. C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yes, nurse, I understand. Nodding my head to tell you I understand. I can't say it so you can hear me, but in my heart I'm saying it. Merry Christmas, nurse. God bless you. Bells in my town. I'm hearing them in my head, nurse. Was the night before Christmas. Mother. And all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. Mother, I hear you. Stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in a hope that St. Nicholas too would be there. Every Christmas Eve, I remember. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team, gave a whistle, and away they all flew like down from the crystal. But I heard him explain ere he drove out of sight. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Merry Christmas, Mother. Merry Christmas, Mother. Nurse. New nurse. Smart nurse. She'll pay attention to me. Old nurse didn't understand. New nurse, you've got to understand. Cabin, I'll start. There, nurse. I did it. Did you understand it? Three, two, and three. S-O-S. Did you understand it? I'll do it again. Morse code. You understand? Morse code. Watch, nurse. Watch. If I had a tongue, if I had a mouth, I'd yell it at you. I'd scream it at you. But I had nothing but the tapping of my head. So watch, nurse. Watch. If you turn and walk out of the room and never come back, you will be carrying my life with you. Your life and death to me, nurse. Look, I'll, I'll tap it again. See? S-O-S. Help me. S-O-S. Oh, I'll do it again. I'm praying now, nurse. Me, just an ordinary guy, I'm praying. Oh, please, God, make her understand what I'm trying to tell her. Please, God, make her understand. I know you're a busy guy. I know there are millions of people trained, playing, praying to you every minute. I know all these things, God, and I don't blame you for getting behind in your orders. Nobody's perfect, but what I want is such a little thing. All I want you to do is to take a tiny little idea that's in my mind and put it in her mind. Two, maybe three feet away. That's all I want, God. Just a little idea that's in my mind and put it in her mind. It's such a little thing, God. Such a little thing. She's going away. She's gone out of the room. No, no, can't be true. Can't shove me down under the ground again, bury me deep again. No, no, I won't believe it, I won't. I won't start crying now. She'll come back. She's my life. She's my chance at life. She will come back. She will. She will. She will. Door. She's back. Brought someone with her. Man's finger on my head. What? Finger tapping on my head. Tapping out W. H. Tapping out the coat on my head. A. T. W H A T what? D O Y O U Y O U U W A N 
T. W A N T. What do you want? What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? I want to get out. Let me out. That's all I want. I've been lying here for years and years in a room in a bed with a, a little covering of skin. Now I want out. I've got to get out. If I had legs, I could run away. I could get away. I could, I could get out into the open where there's air, where there's room, and where I'm not in a hole and smothering. Inside me, I scream and howl and push and fight room and air for escape from the smothering, from the loneliness. Out of here. And take me back into the world. No. I didn't tap that out. What I just said, I only was thinking. Won't say it to you waiting up there, no. Before I ask you up there, before I tap it out with my head, I've got to think out just what I'm going to tell you. Maybe my last chance. Hmm. I've got it. I've got it. Listen, you up there. I'm tapping it out with my head. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. Let me out. I can earn my keep. I can do a job like anyone else. Take me out of here and build a glass case for, for me so people can see me. Take me in my glass case to the beaches, to the county fairs and the church bazaars and the circuses and the traveling carnivals. You'll do a wonderful business with me and I could pay you for the trouble. They've never seen nothing like me. I'm something you can really holler about. I'm the dead man who's alive. The live man who's dead. I'm the man who made the world safe for democracy. Take me into the places where men work and make things. Take me there and say, boys, here's a cheap way to get by. Maybe times are bad and your salaries are low. Don't worry, boys, because you'll have your chance. There'll be another war along pretty soon and then maybe you'll be lucky like me. Take me into the schoolhouses, all the schoolhouses in the world. They'll scream at first and have nightmares at night, but... They'll get used to it because they've got to get used to it. And it's best to start them young. Take me into the colleges and universities and academies and convents. Call the girls together, all the healthy, beautiful young girls. Point to me and say, girls, here is your father. Look, girls, here is your lover. Call all the young men together and say, here is your brother, here is your best friend, and here are you, young men. Take me wherever there are parliaments and diets and congresses and chambers of statesmen. I want to be there when they talk about honor and justice and making the world safe. Put my glass case upon the speaker's desk, and every time the gavel drops, let me feel its vibration through my little glass case. Then let them draft notes and automatums and protests and accusations. But before they vote on them, before they give the order for all the little guys to start killing each other, let the main guy wrap his gavel on my case and point down at me and say, Gentlemen... Here is the only issue before this house, and that is, are you for this thing here, or are you against it? And if they are against it, then let them stand up like men and vote. And if they are for it, let them be hanged and drawn and quartered and paraded through the streets and thrown out into the, into the fields where no clean animal will touch them, and may no green thing ever grow where they rot. Take me into your churches. Your great towering cathedrals, which have to be rebuilt every 50 years because they are destroyed by war. Carry me in my glass box down the aisles where kings and priests and brides and children at their confirmations have gone so many times before to kiss a splinter of wood from a true cross 
on which was nailed the body of a man who was lucky enough to die. Set me high on your altars and call on God to look down upon his murderous little children, his dearly beloved little children. Then bring in the fierce ones, the spawners of hate, the inventors of slogans. Bring them in and make them look at me and then dare them, dare them to break the peace. I want to tell you about the house I live in. I want to tell you how the house that had been mine lost its walls, and all the rooms were filled with rubble, and a dust arose. And when I looked again, the house was gone. Was it a bomb that fell? Bomb? Bomber over Elm Street, USA. But you say your house disappeared. How did it disappear? I'm going to tell you. The morning began as so many others have begun since. Tom and Elsa had gone. Again, I hadn't slept. I opened the front door, stood on the front porch, and watched the daylight slowly wake up the street. It had rained during the night. I had listened to every drop. Now the light lit up the wet leaves as the trees shook themselves in the morning wind. Another day, and I was waiting for eight o'clock. Sorry, Mr. Rogers, nothing today. You sure? Perhaps the letter... Sorry, Mr. Rogers, nothing today. Maybe it'll come tomorrow. I already knew about tomorrow. Sorry, Mr. Rogers, nothing today. You know, it takes a long time for a letter to get to Elm Street from Japan. I went back into the house. Chairs, table, sofa. A piano Elsa had played. A piano Elsa had played. I went upstairs. Tom's room, just as it had been. His bed, his typewriter on the desk. His track shoes hanging from the side of that chair he had made in manual training. Just the way it had been that last night. Sure, Dad, sure, all packed. Uh, come on in, sit down. Socks, what do I want to take more socks for? But, Dad, didn't you ever hear of G.I. issue? Say, Dad, will you do something for me? All this junk here, will you hand it out to those Margolis kids down the street? Yeah. Yeah, the baseball and the mitt. <laughs> Remember when I broke my thumb on that hot liner? Oh, you better not give them the football until fall, because if you give it to them now, there won't be much of it left by then. Hey, Dad, did you hear about that? I'm getting farsighted. Dad, my track shoes, everything but my track shoes. I'll be doing a little running when I get back, if I'm still young enough. Me and my long gray beard doing the high hurdles. Oh, come on, Dad, it isn't as bad. Well, look, I'll be back soon. Don't you read the papers? What? Well, this war with the Japolas won't last six months once I get over there. Dad, 
Well, this is just a guess, but I got a hunch we'll be starting the bomb Tokyo soon. Well, it's just a hunch, but if it happens, I'm going to be in on it, and, well, I'll, I'll send you a bird's-eye picture of the Emperor's horse. Dad, something else. And we, we almost got married last week, and then we didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, it was me. I wanted her to have a chance to change her mind if I didn't get, if I stayed away too long. She found out that absence didn't make the hard. Well, you know. If she needs anything, we'll keep an eye on her, will you? Thanks. How much time have I got left? Is that all? You watch, you sure you watch? Okay. I just want to sit here a little bit and look around. Yeah. Funny, I've always had so much time. Now I've only got enough to sit here. It's a swell room. A good house. And a good life. Hey, I'll some flowers. Okay, Dad, get the car out. I'm all ready to go. Ready to go. Ready to go where? Tom, if I only knew where you were. Or if you were. Elsa's room. The silly room I'd called it with its frippery, billowing curtains, cretons flounces on the dressing table at which she'd sat so many times, covering with glamour a face that was so very young. Gosh, Dad, come on in. Dad, do you think this makes us too dark? My lipstick? Well, I know it's red. It's the reddest I could get. Oh, Dad, this is a terrible thing to say, but I'm going to miss dressing up like this. Well, that's silly. It's a beautiful uniform and a beautiful chance, and I want it. I miss all the frills. <laughs> if they heard me talk, they'd pull up the game plank before I got there. <laughs> Tomorrow? Six o'clock. Dad, uh, I'd rather you didn't come down to the station. No, no, it isn't that. I, I just don't want... Dad, please... Just the way you did when Tom... Just let me go alone. Thank you, darling. Dad, I may not get another chance, or I'll say it again. Please, please don't forget to take the coffee pot off the stove every morning. If you burn the bottom out of it, I'll... All right, all right, I believe you. And eat right, Dad. Vegetables. Please have at least one vegetable a day. And beer isn't a vegetable. <laughs> if I come back and find you as fat as Patty's pig, I'm going to... I'm going to... Oh, Dad, I wish I had another week. Even another day. Make sure you'll be all right. I think I've arranged everything about the meals and the... Laundering about the cleaning. I were only sure you'd be all right. Oh, I shouldn't talk like that. You'll be all right, and I'll be all right, and Tom is... All right. 
And dogs come late for my date. Turn out the lights for me, will you, Dad? Everything is as it had been. But now a place I couldn't stay in. Out into the street to walk as I had done so many times before until the circle of my aimless steps brought me back to this empty house I lived in. I had made the walk so many times. Fifty steps and that silly little Pekingese of Mrs. Engelhart's would see me pass and yap at me. Another dozen steps and the broken piece of sidewalk in front of the Andrews place. Then the iron picket fence Tom used to run along when he was small, banging his stick along the iron pickets as he ran. So half the neighborhood knew his nibs was free of school for another day. I passed a big oak tree where Elsa would stand with her girlfriends when she was very young and giggle when the latest football hero passed. <laughs> laughter. Children's laughter. They'd laugh, too. They'd been full of laughter, my children. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Tom, this one. Look at this one. Holy. Oh, wait a minute. Give me that. Oh, no. Hey, make her give it to me. Elsa. Oh, no. This one goes to your commanding officer. Elsa, if you don't give me that picture. The museum. Elsa, I'm coming around that table and break your neck. <laughs> Listen, Trank Star, I won't do you any good. I've got duplicates. No, Elsa. Dad, don't just stand there. Do something. You take any chance. got two dozen printed out. Oh, Dad, you shouldn't have given us. He said you'd clean out the drawer, so I did. Oh, Elsa. I'll mail it to Hap Arnold, and they'll paint it on the nose of your bum. Oh, my sister, you snake in the grass. Pretty words won't get you anywhere. Please. This makes up for every time you paddled me. Elsa. Oh, Dad, this is the most wonderful going away present. Elsa, dear. My beautiful, conceited brother at the age of three, riding naked on a white horse. Oh, oh brother. <laughs> my steps went past the children's laughter. The endless circle of my aimless steps. Well, Mr. Rogers. Johnson's boy suddenly was there, walking alongside of me. Can I walk with you, Mr. Rogers? All right. I heard a funny joke today. A man was riding along and he got lost. You know, he didn't know where he was. And he went up to a farmer and he said to the farmer, where's the road to town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, well, where's the road to the other town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, well, where's the road to some other town? The farmer said, I don't know. And the fellow said, you don't know much, do you? And the farmer said, no, but I ain't lost. Funny joke, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, very funny. I got a new harmonica. Have you? Do you play the harmonica? No. I can. My ma said, please get out of the house if you're going to play that. I got a headache. What a headache, Mr. Rogers. Loud noises, unnecessary conversations, worry. You got worries, Mr. Rogers? What's that song you were playing? I mean, a moment ago. I don't know. You got worries, Mr. Rogers. Play your harmonica, son. Okay. He kept playing as he walked along.
Suddenly I realized that his eyes were on me as if he wanted to say something to me, yet was afraid to speak. And then he did speak. You, you take such big steps, Mr. Rogers. I'm sorry. That better? Yes. You going anywhere in particular, son? No, sir. No school today? Saturday. No, I forgot. You didn't know it was Saturday? Sometimes one day gets to be like another. Mr. Rogers, listen, you must wait. Jimmy Doolittle go over with a thousand, thousand flying forts and he'll get Tom out. You just wait and see. Jimmy Doolittle get him away from those jabs. Honesty will. Then he was gone. I kept on walking. Then this thought. The boy, this neighbor boy, his meeting and walking with me had not been accidental. He had wanted to walk with me and say what he had said. A thousand, thousand flying fortresses, headed up by Superman, I suppose, with Tarzan of the Apes leading a charge of elephants toward my son's prison camp. Prison camp. I didn't even know if he was in a prison camp. Those devils. What have they done to my son? Good morning, Mr. Rogers. How are you this morning? I'm your neighbor, Mrs. Gibson. A woman. Yes, a neighbor. I've seen her once or twice as I'd walk by. And now she was there walking with me, a grocery bag in her arm, and talking to me. Must have rained quite hard last night. Yes, it did. All the rain this spring has certainly done wonders for our lawn. I've noticed yours. It's very lovely. Yeah. Of course, the whole problem is to get someone to do the mowing. I saw you talking to little David Miller. I guess the smaller boys of this neighborhood will come into their own this year. What with the 12 and 14-year-olds all going off to help on the farms during their vacations. If the grass grows tall, there will be no harm. No, of course. No. Did you hear about the Griffith boy? No. He was out flying a kite, and it fell across those high-tension wires over on Oak Street. And he and some of the other boys got a ladder and put it across the telephone and telegraph post. And they were halfway up when Mr. Griffith came along. The Griffith boy had a metal fishing rod that he was going to use to lift the kite off the wires. Can you imagine that? He'd have been electrocuted if Mr. Griffith hadn't just happened to leave work early that day. If you ever expect them to grow up, you certainly have to watch your children every minute. I mean... I'm sorry, I'm... I mean, uh... Mr. Rogers, I, I wonder if I could ask you something. Yeah? Well, I know your daughter Elsa has been overseas for a long time. But my daughter Peggy is joining up, and and you can understand how excited I've been. I was wondering if you could tell me anything that would... You were saying... I was just finding an excuse to talk to you. Peggy's joined up and gone, and I've watched you walk by my house every day. And today I started off to market just at this time, just so that I could have an excuse to, to tell you that that Mr. Gibson and I would like very much to have you come to dinner some night this week. 
No, don't say yes or no now. Just think about it. And whenever you'd like to come over, just let us know. Goodbye. She turned and went. I walked along the street morning after morning. Hundreds of mornings from the day after the news came that Tom wouldn't be back. Nelsa left the house to join up. Morning after morning, and all was it had been alone. And now this, a, a boy, a woman, childish prattle, feminine dinner-making. What was this today? Suddenly I heard that tune again, the one the boy had been playing. One of the houses along the street, the Negro woman singing as she swept the front porch. The house I live in, the friends that I have found, the folks beyond the railroad, and the people all around, the farmer on the worker, the sailor on the sea, the men who built this country, that's America to me, the house I live in. My neighbors, white and black, the people who just came here are from generations back. The town hall and the soapbox, the torch of liberty, a home for all God's children. That's America to me. The words of old Abe Lincoln, of Jefferson and Payne, of Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and the tasks that still remain. Our little bridge at Concord, where freedom's fight began, our Gettysburg and Midway, and the story of the ten, the house I live in, the goodness everywhere, a land of wealth and beauty, with enough to share the house that we call freedom, the home of liberty, where the promise for tomorrow, that's a miracle.
house I live in. The house I lived in was an empty house. I turned. Who? And then I saw it was Anne. My Tom's Anne. I said, that's a wonderful song. Hello, Anne. Hello. You going anywhere in particular? I was just walking. Mind if I walk with you? Of course not. I'm glad to see you. How have you been? Fine, Mr. Rogers. Fine. I haven't seen you for quite some time. Almost a year. Has it been that long? Yes, it has. I had no idea. Mother and I have wanted very much to see you. I'm sorry. I've been very busy. I know. Your war work. Yet surely you could have found some time to come visit us. I'm sorry. It's going well. What's going well? The war. Is it? Did you know it rained last night? Yes, I know. I opened my window and lay on the bed and watched it. It was a strange sort of rain. So soft and fine. It wasn't as if it was rain at all. When it began to get light, every drop seemed to be dancing as it fell. You didn't sleep. I... I was thinking. Mr. Rogers, we've missed you very much. Why didn't you come see us? I'm sorry, dear. I don't go out these days at all. I go down to the plant. I do everything I can. When I come home, I like to shut the door and be quite alone. I'm sure you understand. Yet each morning you come out of the house and walk the street. How do you know that? I've watched you. We all have. You're very lonely, Mr. Rogers. Yes, I am. I was, too. What? You heard from Tom. No, no, I didn't. Then the War Department, why should they write you? Why not me? Why didn't they... Mr. Rogers, please, there's been nothing. No letter. Then what? Tell me. I... I don't know how. I see. All right, that's natural. Why not? You've been away so long. Why shouldn't you find someone else? Oh, no, no, that's not it. Of course not. Why won't you understand? Understand what? You say you're not lonely anymore, and I'm supposed to understand. Understand what? That you're young, that you can forget. But can I forget my son? Can I forget what he said, how he looked, how he... What have I got left but a lonely house? I stopped being lonely the day someone, one of the neighborhood women, stopped me on the street. Asked me where she and some of the others could send packages to Tom. Our Tom? Yes. Ours. I don't understand. Why should they... What was Tom to them? Tom mattered to a lot of people on this street. I suddenly began to realize that he mattered on many other streets where they didn't know his name or who he was. Why, Anne? Why? Because Tom isn't just ours anymore. What had happened to him mattered to everybody back home who has a sweetheart in this war. 
or a husband or a son All in a moment, the house that I lived in lost its wall. And all the rooms were filled with rubble, and the dust arose. And when I looked again, my empty house was gone. And suddenly a new house arose, and it was filled with people. All the people to whom Tom mattered, even though they'd never seen him, or didn't even know his name. All the people whose hearts were filled with the work, the troubles, and the hopes of this war that my son and my daughter, yeah, and I, were fighting. So this is the house I live in, a house of people. And there can be no walls, but sorrow knows no walls. And determined knows no walls. And there are no walls for faith. Well, listeners, I hope you, dare I say, enjoyed this episode, or rather, did this episode crawl under your skin a little and pulled on those heartstrings? The episode about the man without any limbs and his will to fight the good fight and try and communicate, to push himself so as not to be trapped in his body as much as possible. Well, that really hit me hard. And the second episode where the man's son in Japan is no longer contactable, and the town he lives in reaches out to him, trying to get under the wall of despair he's erected, and try as they might, from the smallest of children to cheer him up with a funny joke or people simply asking for him to spend time with them. The final scene, where the house he made crumbles around him, the walls comprised of nothing but shadows and destroyed hopes and dreams, ran through me like a freight train, especially when a new house was erected, made of hopes and dreams. Old time radios really have a hidden power sometimes, and they remind me of how lucky I am to never have experienced anything like that. I hope this OTR was an ear opener and a heart puller. Mates, these episodes are only possible thanks to donations and support, because with those donations and support, I use audio engineering technology to rip out the noise, call back the rustle, and make sure it's super clear for your earballs. And the people that make it possible isn't just me, it's Patreon members that keep the lights on as well, but also help me access brand new technology. So I want to thank those special people. First up is my deity of delicious, my Ode Night Tea Titan, Matto Star. Today you might be hearing that my voice is a little sharper than usual maybe, huh mate? That's because I'm implementing some AI tools that reduce noise and add clarity. Live during recordings as well. Imagine having an audio engineer tweaking every sound to be clearly audible and of high quality. I'm also using a 24-bit microphone in stereo, which I could only use with this AI due to my recording environment. It calls out the reverb and it strengthens the audio recording. So minus the techno babble. Thank you immensely, you legend, for your support. Because now I can sound even better on the mic thanks to your awesome kindness and legendary brilliance. Thank you, Mr. Amazing Matto Star. 
I've also received your email and I can't wait to dive into it. Cheers, pal. My amazing pal, Lesosaurus Rex, taking a chunk out of my overheads, quite literally, thanks to you. I've been able to cover my costs from running my website, also accessing more music through epidemic sound and so, so much more. Like, I've specifically hunted for fart sounds at one point and thought, ah, oh, yes, patrons really make the fart magic happen. Legit, though, sometimes an audio drama just needs an awesome, authentic fart. Semi-jokes aside, thank you, man, for supporting me. I'm so grateful. Cheers, Leza. Also, I want to thank my old grain forces and Patreon supporters. I'm lucky to have Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Sunshine Days, Hita Raffaele, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, Leah Fassig, Alia Arcane, Paige Kramer, and Jane Gumnick. Thank you, you epically kind people. Lastly, don't forget to leave a review if you've got time. I love iTunes reviews. If you've got 10 seconds spare, all of them go a long way. Really, they do. And if you want to support the show just like the legends, you can visit my Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash SFGT. I don't run ads and I never, ever will. So I appreciate any love I get sent my way. Now, pour your tea, make it nice, ensure your flavoring is precise. Like a story, let it flow. Let the fables and tales take you home. It's these stories that bring us together and old audio that reminds us of how we've changed. Stay a while, have a listen, and as always, I hope to see you again. Have a wonderful week ahead of you folks, and I'll see you next Monday. Catch ya.